John's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 6 to 19. And the title um, given to it is Jesus Prays for His Disciples. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. All glory has come to me through them. And, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Well, if you were here last week, we were looking at bearing fruit, how we can, prevent, how we can be prevented, as Peter said, from being useless ornaments. And this morning, we're looking at growing roots from John chapter 17. And this will be, we'll be looking at how this can help us through times of trouble. Now, how are your levels of concentration? <laughs> what I said, what? <laughs> when I was working, sometimes we lived a rather frantic life. I might be away for several days, and I'd come home on a first fast turnaround to repack my bags and go away again, and Belinda, who is brilliant at organising things, would usually have a list of things for me to do while I was there. Could you put this in your diary, please, dear? Could you phone this guy? He wanted to talk to you. And while you're here, can you sign this? Nigel Stone. And can you sign this as well? Nigel Stone. And this one too? Nigel Stone. No, not like that, you twit. That one's your daughter's birthday card. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> 
Busy life, low levels of concentration. Conversely, if you've ever spent any time in those last hours with somebody, you will know that every minute is measured. Every word is poignant. Your concentration is focused and total. So much has gone before. It will never be repeated. And at that moment, nothing else in the whole world matters. And in John 17, these are the last hours. Jesus is just hours from the cross. This is the end of the road. Unknowingly, the disciples' world is just about to be turned upside down. They don't know it, but Jesus does. And so he prays for them. He knows what they're going to face that coming night and beyond. He knows what he's going to ask of them. He knows that just as he is being opposed and hung up to die, so they will be opposed. And many of them hung up to die. So in John's Gospel, John records in great detail what happened in these few hours between the Last Supper and Jesus' arrest. There are four long chapters here recording all this. In them, Jesus tells them that he is the way to the Father. He tells them he's going to leave them. He tells them he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He tells them, as Peter spoke to us last week about, he tells them to go and bear much fruit. And he tells them that they will be hated. So in knowing all this, we have Jesus' final prayer for his disciples, his closing prayer, his last words for them and to them before his arrest. So what is it that's most deeply engraved on his heart? What is his absolute passion for them? Well, we learn that as Jesus pours out his heart to the Father in prayer. He says he's not praying for the world, but he is specifically praying for his disciples, those who believe in the name of Jesus. And he prays this. He prays that as he leaves them, they would be protected. Protected by the power of the name of God. Protected by the name that God gave to Jesus. The name of Jesus. God had given all authority and all power to Jesus. And Jesus had kept his disciples safe through that name. And when he is gone, he will protect them in exactly the same way. So to pray in the name of Jesus is to engage the full power and protection of the Godhead. He prays to protect them. But protect them from what? Certainly it's not against trouble. Certainly it's not to protect them against opposition. It's not even to protect them from persecution. So what is it he prays? He prays that they are protected against evil. Protect them against those things that would separate them from God. And he highlights two things. Two things he identifies. 
which can cause our separation from the heart of God. The first one is found in verse 14. And it's this, it's the hatred of the world. Opposition can cause us to be separated from the heart of God. And the second thing is found in verse 20, which is later in this chapter. And it's disunity. Disunity among the people of God. Opposition and disunity. This is the soft underbelly. This is where the enemy will attack. And this is where the people of God and the church of God are most vulnerable. This is where protection is required. Individually and corporately, we can withstand opposition and we can remain united if Jesus' prayer is answered. But how is his prayer going to be answered? Well, John 17, 17 is the key to this whole passage. This is what Jesus is asking God for. In the Good News Bible, it says, I pray that they would, you would dedicate them to yourself. Or here in the NIV, it says, sanctify them by the truth. Or the whole verse says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means set apart. Make them like Jesus. Dedicate them to your service. And how? Through your word. Through the words of Jesus. Through the word of God. As it's read, as it's listened to, as it's studied, as it's preached. Jesus' prayer for you on that his last evening was that you be immersed in the word of God. And as you immerse yourself in the Word of God, you will become more like Jesus. And as you grow to be more like Jesus, so you will have the heart of God. And as you have the heart of God, so you will grow roots. And as you grow roots, you will withstand the storms of life and persecution and trouble and hardship. And not only will you withstand, but in the midst of that, you will bear much fruit. Does your heart cry out, Amen, to that prayer of Jesus? Does your heart yearn to be the person that Jesus wants you to be? Immersed in God's word, we gain a totally different perspective in the face of trouble and opposition. Immersed in God's word, we stay united in him. If not, when trouble comes, we're likely to crumble. We will be fractured by disunity. Because one thing we know, that we have an enemy that is hell-bent on destroying the kingdom of God. And the only way to stand in the name of Jesus the only way is being sanctified by God's word. So if you don't come week by week to hear God's word expounded, how will you become more like Jesus? If you don't gather together with other believers in small groups and wrestle and work out what God is calling you to do, how will you ever understand? If you don't know the heart of God revealed in his word, how will you grow roots how will you become fruitful?
It's the word of God that gives us those roots. It allows us to weather the storm, and through it, we produce fruit that will last. You know the parable of the sower? Or actually, more appropriately, it's the parable of the soils. Roots only formed in good soil. Because the seed that was sown in the soil on the path was pinched away because people didn't understand it. And the seed that was sown in the soil of the rocks couldn't withstand times of trouble. And the seed that was sown in the soil, choked with thorns, was choked up by the worries of wealth and of this world. Is the word of God growing roots in your heart? Roots that will prevent you from withering. So go out of your way to be immersed in God's word. Get to every service. Go to a home group. Go to open church. Get a prayer partner. Make sure you are in the place where you can feed and grow on God's word. And then Jesus' prayer for you is answered. And then when opposition and trials and temptations and hardship and persecution come, you have roots in the word of God, roots which will give you a Christ-like heart, a Christ-like perspective, and will give you deep and unshakable joy and trust in God. Next month, we'll be starting a sermon series in the book of James. And we'll look there at how to develop character and how to develop perseverance. But for one question for now is this. What part does the Word of God play in your life? Many of us this year are reading through the New Testament in a year, and we're doing it together. You can be part of that. You just need to go to the church website and click on the menu and find passage for the day. Or you can ask for a paper copy. And if you do that, you'll find not only the passage, but a commentary that Peter has written on that. If you do that today, you'll go to John chapter 7, and you'll read of Jesus' great invitation in verse 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of him streams of living water will flow. And in those notes, you'll know that Peter explains what that means and how it links with the prophecy in Ezekiel 47 of that river flowing out of the temple, getting deeper as it goes, and what that means for you. Immerse yourself in God's word. Marvel at his promises. And then Jesus' prayer for you will be answered. You will be able to face opposition and hardship by being grounded in the word of God. One of our great missionary forefathers, Hudson Taylor, who was the founder of the China Inland Mission, tells of a missionary he met who had only one leg he couldn't run away when all the rebels who were waging war in China in the late 1800s came. And so Hudson Taylor asked this missionary, how will you run away when trouble comes? And where will you find food during the times of siege? And the missionary replied this. He said, the word of God tells me in Psalm 37 and verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. And so you will dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. That young missionary, in the midst of ad adversarial circumstances, knew 
that God would take care of him regardless of the circumstances around. A heart immersed in God's word, sanctified by that word, immersed in that word of truth, with a Christ-like heart and an unswervable trust in God, no matter what, then Jesus' prayer for you will be answered. And you'll be able to stand armed in the full armour of God. So what is God asking you to do to grow your roots? Lord Jesus, may your prayer for me be answered in my life. Amen.